0: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Block Talk Radio. Another day. Another jam. Look Looking up. Well, hi everybody, and welcome to Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy, the editor in chief of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. We are in the midst of doing a, some special, a special series of interviews with candidates vying to be the next Queens District Attorney. And joining us today is Greg Lasak. Uh, He, of course, is a very, very experienced uh, person. Uh, Vying for this job, and, and you know, that's been, I, I guess, uh, Greg, one of the main complaints of some of the people uh, that have been, I guess, watching this race is that there are actually folks that want to be the Queen's DA that never prosecuted a case before.
1: That's correct, that's correct. I, um, I resigned my Supreme Court judgeship in uh, September of last year. I had just gotten reelected to the Supreme Court for a second 14 year term and I was the deputy administrative judge of the criminal term in Queens County as the number two judge in the criminal term. When the administrative judge was not around, I was the administrative judge. Uh, before that, I spent 25 years as an assistant district attorney. I grew up in Woodside, Woodside section Queens. I went to the local schools, went to Holy Cross High School, Queens College, New York Law School, and I went into the DA's office in Queens, worked my way through the ranks. I um, started trying murder cases in my late 20s, and by the time I was 30 years old, I was made the uh, chief of the Homicide Bureau, the youngest chief, and I tried many, many murder cases. I by the uh, defendants that were indicted for murdering police officer John uh in the 113th Precinct. And he and his partner, Richie Rainey, had 25 shots fired into their patrol car in the 113th Precinct. The case had been tried twice before, and then I tried it the third time, and we got a conviction. Um, um, William Kunzler represented one of the defendants on that trial and um like i said i tried many murder cases worked my way through the ranks and then when judge brown came in he uh, made me executive assistant district attorney i was in charge of the major crimes division uh, which consisted of the special victims bureau the domestic violence bureau the homicide trials bureau homicide investigations bureau and the career criminal Major Case Bureau, which I created, and uh, they said the Domestic Violence Bureau in the mid '90s. Uh, I created that out of the Special Victims Bureau because domestic violence became a uh, you know a big problem in Queens County, and we had to combat it. And uh, I created that bureau, and it's a significant part of that office dealing with domestic violence.
0: Now. You know, we've heard a lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric about people, and look, I get it, I understand, I'm no, you know, this is not my first rodeo. So I get that uh, there are aspects of the system that are broken. Uh, There are things that perhaps are over-policed. There are things that I think are under-policed. I think that a lot of the candidates that are out there, uh, including the ones uh, that do have some prosecutorial uh, experience, a lot of them are talking about how broken the system is and talking about how they're going to protect the people that break the law rather than protecting law-abiding citizens who follow the rules, who pay their taxes, who are the ones that need protection, You know, like you know, my family, your family, uh, the families of our readers out there. I don't hear enough about that being discussed. I hear about, you know, how we're going to let people out of jail and how we're going to, you know, make sure that um, a lot of people that are breaking the law, maybe we don't send them to jail for breaking the law. Maybe we, you know, give them a slap on the wrist. I'm not going to take every issue case by case, but again, um, you you seem to be the only person that I've talked to yet that talks about uh, how to strengthen uh, you know the laws so that people, uh, you know, can be protected. Law-abiding citizens can be protected.
1: Well, the main function of the district attorney, he or she, is the chief law enforcement official of the county. And as the chief law enforcement official of the county, the primary function is to keep the public safe. All right. Right. Now, in addition to that. The changes in the office uh, that are overdue have to be taken care of. when you have an incumbent in office for a long time, it's good for many reasons, it's bad for many reasons as well. You have to you know freshen up the office. you have to freshen up the office. sometimes there's people in positions for a very long time and you know they lose their enthusiasm for the job. you need some innovative thoughts on how to improve the system, and I think that I'm the best qualified for this, obviously, because in order to fix, reform a system, you have to know the system. I really strongly believe you have to have worked in some part of the system, whether it's in the DA's office or as a defense attorney or as a judge. You have to have some, you know, on-hand experience because when you walk in to the district attorney's office, you're walking into a establishment that handles over 50,000 cases a year and it encompasses attorneys working in, I'd say, about 18 bureaus, about six divisions on top of that, and there's about 340 lawyers working in that office. And having worked there 25 years, I'm familiar with every bureau, most of the personnel there. I know their strengths. I know their weaknesses. And uh, I don't see how you can go into that office never having worked either in that office or been in a courtroom, in a criminal courtroom. It's a very specialized area of law. It's very specialized. And if you've never worked in that area, and then you think you're going to take over that office. And if you were successful, it's hard to get the respect of the people who are actually doing the work like you never did. It's hard to get that respect. And again, as the uh, chief law enforcement official of the county, you're entrusted with the public safety first and foremost. In addition to that, we also have to take a look at the way cases are handled. like immigrant community (coughs) we have a a large immigrant community in queens county and we don't want to you know have a unnecessary deportation come as a result of a person who's a good family person going out at at night making a mistake one night having a little too much celebration and uh, then if they have a case pending a plea offer is made, and if the plea offer is for a year, they get deported. If the plea offer is for 364 days, they won't get deported. So things like that. Young people go out and have a problem one night. You don't want to see them get saddled with a criminal record for one mistake. We we started the diversion programs in Queens back in the 90s, and we want to increase the diversion programs now can you
0: can you just explain exactly what the diversion program is, so that for people who are listening or don't know what it is?
1: Well, we've always you know we have situations where a young kid gets arrested, and they give them a, a choice of going into a program that would you know maybe clean up the streets, clean up the graffiti, help the community, to some type of public service, and if they complete that public service, then their record is expunged as opposed to having a a straight probation uh, sentence or even jail you wouldn't be getting jail time on a minor offense first time but give them a program where they can learn to be a good member of society and they can learn from their mistake and they can do something productive for the community like cleaning up some graffiti or cleaning up a park and uh, makes them feel good about themselves right Makes them become a useful part of our society.
0: Right. Okay. So now I get that um, a lot of folks, and and again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. But for someone, you know, for the for the folks that want to see the office change, um, how do you counter that argument when people say, "Well, how can?" Uh, Mr. Lazak be a, you know, how could he be better than the person he's replacing when he worked for that other person for so long? Like, aren't we just getting more of the same?
1: Well, number one, I've been out of that office for 16 years. Number two, I didn't agree with everything that Judge Brown did or Judge Brown thought, you know. I have great respect for him, but we didn't agree on everything. Those two people agree on everything you know he has different ways of doing things um, the bottom line is i've always done the right thing um, for example back in the early mid 80s there was a um, person named mark davidson 18 years old got arrested and i got a call from his lawyer that my client in the arraignment court has old burn marks on him and we sent ADAs down there to, with detectives to interview him, and it turned out that he had been burned by the 106 Precincts officers who were trying to find out where his drug stash was. And that began the stun gun investigation, which I was in charge of. It was not popular back then, and we wound up uh, investigating and indicting three officers the sergeant and the lieutenant and it became a a very prominent case, a serious case. What I'm trying to say is I have the courage to do the right thing. I've always been brought up to do the right thing in life and in business, and um, I'll continue to do the right thing. I'll continue to do the right thing. And the other thing, in the mid-90s, I have a record of being a very firm but fair DA. Firm but fair judge. In the mid 90s, I started getting letters from prisoners upstate. I got phone calls from attorneys, and I was reinvestigating cases where people had been wrongfully arrested, indicted, or convicted of crimes that they did not commit. And this is before anybody ever thought of a term called the Conviction Integrity Unit, before anyone had any concept of that. I was doing that back then quietly and it was the right thing to do. It was not easy doing that because in order to overturn a conviction, you got to go against the decision of the detective who arrested the person, the ADA who wrote up the case and approved the charges, the grand jury that indicted the person, the Supreme Court judge that ruled that the indictment was sufficient. And the petty jury that convicted him at the trial, and the appellate division, the appellate court that ruled that it was there were no errors committed during the course of the trial. You'd have to go against all of those people's decisions, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot, and God forbid you're wrong. But we did that uh, about 20 times. 20 times. Um, One of the first times was um, Seymour James, who was head of the Legal Aid Society, came in to see me, and I always had an open door policy, and he said, Greg, I have an innocent man, and I said, well, you're a good trial attorney, I'm sure you can get him acquitted. He said, no, he's already been convicted, and his appeals have been denied, he's been sitting in jail for six years on a sentence of eight and a third to twenty-five. So I don't know if a lot of DAs would look into that, because he said he had no evidence of it, but in his heart, in his heart he felt that the guy was innocent, even though he had no proof. So I had nothing to go on, but I respected Seymour, and I took that out as a compliment that he would come to see me to take a look at it, because that's my reputation. I was, like I said, firm but fair. took a look at the case and we were able to prove that at the time the woman was attacked in this case, I'm not going to go into the details, the person who was convicted for it was in Brooklyn, it was his birthday, Burpin had made him a dinner, and he was working his way back into Queens to take care of his sick uncle in Jackson Heights. And the only reason he was in New York was to take care of his sick uncle He was from Alabama, and he wound up getting identified in the back of the ambulance by the woman, and it went from there to getting convicted, and the man was innocent. And I got more satisfaction out of doing that than all the convictions I obtained through the years, because that could be you, that could be me. You know, we had to constantly scrutinize our convictions, if you're a DA and you have a conviction, you shouldn't be afraid to put it up to scrutiny.
0: The other, the other thing we, we hear a lot about, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's become an issue. We hear about um, you know gender and ethics, uh, excuse me, and, and ethnicity. You know, we hear about that all the time. Uh, you know, well, how can we hire? How can we elect another uh, middle-aged white man? How can we, you know, continue to trust a, uh, a system that's broken because of the uh, abuse of people of color? And you know, I I can certainly understand that argument. I can understand it. However, as someone who believes in the best person for the job, as somebody who believes that, uh, you know. I would never hire someone simply because of their ethnicity or their gender. I would never not hire somebody because of their ethnicity and their gender. To me, um, again, I want I want the best person for the job, whether they're, you know, whether they you know, they happen to be, uh, you know, a white male or a or a you know, a, you, know a, you know, a black female or whoever. It doesn't matter to me. To me, I want the best person for the job. I also want somebody who knows what they're doing. And we've seen in this administration, this mayoral administration, an example of how, what happens when you put people in place and give them jobs which they are not qualified to do. And I think this is one of those situations where, um, and you've been very successful with your fundraising, you've been very successful with endorsements, uh, you certainly have the trust of a lot of people who are supporting your Mm -hmm. campaign. And what do you say to the to the folks that you know say, well, we can't elect another you know white male to uh, represent us uh, in, in the in the criminal justice system?
1: I think my record speaks for itself. I was elected to the Supreme Court in 2003. I served a 14-year term. I was elected by all the people in Queens. I was re-elected in 2017. Um, My reputation, I would think, is uh, very ethical. My reputation, I think, is very fair. And before that, I served people of this county for 25 years as an assistant district attorney. 19 of those years, I was a boss. And I think my reputation speaks for itself. Everything I did for the last 39 years, there's a record of there's a record of that. I'm not an academic who's just espousing ideas about what I would do about an office that I never worked in. I did the actual work. I rose to the number three position in the DA's office and the number two judicial position in the county. I mean, I don't no one else has that kind of a qualification and if there was any kind of problem with anything, uh, I would be called on it. There's a record of everything I've done.
0: Uh, well, but um, you know, we ask those questions because we get those questions all the time. You know, when we, <coughs> when we, um, I get them myself. You know, I understand representation is important, but it's not more important than than you know ability. You know, it's not more important than uh, you know being effective. And I think that at the end of the day, when we're talking about the Queens District Attorney. Um, which to me is an incredibly important position. Um, you know, I think the best person for the job should get the job. So um, let's talk about um, some of the, um, you know we've, talk, we've heard a lot about, well, <laughs> and I, I laugh because I don't think there's anything wrong with being a tough on law, law and order person. Like I, I don't, I think when you're a DA that you should be tough. You should be a law and order, you know, first person. Um, I just read something recently, you know, that will a reformer take over the Queens VA job. So um, you, you said before that there are things in the system that need to be fixed. So why don't you talk a little bit about some of the reforms that you have in mind that I've read about, but I want our readers to hear from you personally.
1: Well, first of all, Queens, as you know, is the most diverse county in America. And when I take over the office, I intend to have the face of that office reflect that diversity. Our diversity is our strength. We have great communities all over this county, and I'm visiting all of them. And I've been visiting all of them for all these years, and I want the office to reflect that diversity. Um, in, in addition, I think that we um, have to increase the amount of diversion programs that we have in place because you know, incarceration is not the answer for nonviolent minor offenses. And this way a person can, as I said about young people, they can do some work in a community, clean up the graffiti, do other service, and then their record will be expunged and they won't be saddled with a criminal record. I think that is very important. Um, I want the office to have a, uh, a bureau for labor crimes, okay, labor issues. I want the bureau to have a specific hate crimes bureau away from the gang unit. I want the office to be able to focus on the gangs, on the gangs, because we, you know, get more and more of a gang problem here in Queens County with the uh, MS-13, we just had a person murdered on the 90th Street subway platform of the 7 train. Um, I also want to increase the training in the office. Uh, There has to be more training in the office. I used to participate in the training when I worked there, and I think that's very important because the assistants, you know, you have to move them from one bureau to another various times and have to be trained for that specific bureau. So those are are the type of changes I'm talking about.
0: I've often heard from friends that have worked in, not not necessarily uh, the Queens DA's office, but in other uh, district attorney's office, in the other boroughs, uh, that maybe the job of the ADA is as important as as it is, Uh, It can become incredibly stressful, you know, uh, because of the caseload, because of uh, what they're expected to do and the amount of hours that they have to work. Um, Do you plan on, you know, given the fact that you worked, you know, as an ADA, um, are you willing to look at those kinds of situations, maybe adding people, maybe asking for more funding and things like that, so that the caseload? Uh, which has been which has been blamed for uh, the miscarriage of justice and and you know uh, wrongful incarceration of people uh, you know ADAs that maybe missed something because of how many cases they had is that something that uh, is part of your you know process if you get elected?
1: Of course, there's always been that yearly uh, I won't call it a battle, but yearly discussion discussion with OMB about. Increasing the funding for the office, I was part of those discussions. Uh, If you get more funding, you can increase the staff, and it would decrease the uh, caseload per ADA. When I um, became the chief of homicide in 1984, there were 180 murders in Queens County, and crack came into Queens County in the winter of 1985, and it caused the murder rate to skyrocket. By the time 1992 came in, we had 361 murders in Queens, up from 180 only a few years back. Could that have been the reason why there were an increase in wrong man cases? Possibly. I don't know. Because some cases you you really couldn't see that it was a possibility of a miscarriage of justice. Quick example. I had a case I was asked to look at where a kid was sitting in prison for five years. And I looked at the case, and it was a murder on Northern Boulevard in Corona. And the man was shot about four times in the head. And the defendant who was arrested the next day was identified at a lineup by two witnesses. He gave an oral a written and a videotaped confession to doing that shooting. He was arraigned on that case. He went into the Supreme Court in front of a Supreme Court judge like I was. He pled guilty with his lawyer standing next to him in a courtroom. A manslaughter in the first degree. He was sentenced to eight and a third to twenty five years. I was asked to take a second look at that case a a few years later. Now you heard me. To identification. I heard it. I heard it. Confession on videotape to an assistant DA and he pled guilty with his lawyer standing next to him in the courtroom. I was able to prove that at the time that man was shot in the head on 100th Street, Northern Boulevard, that kid who was 16 at the time, was up in his apartment in Harlem with his mother. And he was sitting in jail for five years for something he didn't do. Something like that nobody could have seen coming because the young man confessed, was identified and pled guilty with his lawyer. Sometimes you can't see these things coming. But despite all that evidence, I looked at it. I reinvestigated it because, as I said, we should always feel that we should stand up for any conviction as a DA that you attain.
0: You know, I'm always (coughs) concerned about elections that turn into popularity contests rather than elections that should be based on the merits of the candidates involved. And I have no, you know, I have no... uh, We won't be making an endorsement, you know, in this race. We won't be, uh, you know, we won't be, uh, you know, we won't be telling people who to vote for. I feel my job as the editor-in-chief of this newspaper is to give every, especially since no one from Rockaway is running, uh, you know, I feel it's important for the voters to get as much information as possible. So where's the best way for people to follow your compa- uh, campaign? How do they keep in touch with what you're doing, what you're saying, uh, you know, when you have events scheduled? What's the best way for
1: them to uh, follow your campaign? They can uh, check our website, our website, that Anyone lists the events. List? Is it uh,
0: LASAC, uh, LASAC for uh, Queens D.A.? GregLasac.com. GregLasac.com?
1: Greg okay. Yes, GregLasac.com.
0: Awesome. So that's what we'll do, and we'll certainly uh, let people know about the podcast and let people listen. We'll be writing about it in this week's paper. I'll be writing about it in this week's paper. And uh, is there anything that you want to share with you know our audience before you leave us today?
1: I just want to say that I just got reelected to the Supreme Court. I could have continued and ended my career, but I felt that this job... At this point in time is too important to have or hand it to a politician or somebody not qualified with has no experience at all in criminal law because the district attorney's position affects the quality of life of every citizen of this county it affects people's lives it affects people who are accused of a crime's life it affects victims of a crime's life It affects witnesses' lives, it affects everybody's lives. It's a very serious position. It is not a political position per se. It's a serious position that you need to have an expertise, in my opinion, in this particular narrow area of the law. And I feel that I am the best qualified to take over that office. I was in that office 25 years and I observed that office for the 15 years I was a judge, I walk in there on day one, I know what to do. When you walk in that office on day one, you have to get familiar with all wiretap investigations immediately because, you know, you can't be listening to people's phone calls unless you have probable cause to investigate them and you have to make sure that everything is up to speed from day one even though it was already started in another administration. You have to get up to speed on all of those things. That's a very intricate area of the law. Plus, every notorious case that is pending in the county, you have to get familiar with that. I tried most of the notorious cases (coughs) myself. Uh, The College Point Massacre, where six people were murdered in 1995, and the 7th, Anna Figueroa, was able to escape out the window. Those are the types of cases I have worked on. Those are the types of cases I tried, or I supervised the prosecution of the other ones, such as the Wendy's massacre, and I supervised that. I handled that case up until the, the indictment on that case. And these are very serious cases, and if you don't have any any experience at all, how are you going to supervise? you got to sit down with that assistant who's trying the case and go over there theory of the case, go over their evidence, go over any evidentiary problems they're going to have on the case. This is a serious business, and I've been doing this for 39 years. As a judge, I presided over some of the most notorious murder cases in the county. The imam that was murdered on Liberty Avenue and 79th Street, when he was walking with his assistant on a Saturday afternoon about three three and a half years ago. I presided over the man who was indicted on that case and he was convicted in front of me and the, the murder of police officer Brian Moore I presided at the trial of the man who was indicted on that case and he was convicted in front of me and there was other police shooting cases that I presided over and as a DA there were other police murders that I supervised the prosecution of. So the people of getting a man with a wealth of experience in this area. So, that's all.
0: Well, I really <coughs> appreciate you making the time to come down today to the office. It shows that uh, you care about what the people of Rockaway uh, think. Uh, you certainly want their vote, so you came down here. Not everybody does. <laughs> this is uh, not exactly uh, Midtown Manhattan, so we certainly uh, appreciate you making the time uh, to meet with us today.
1: Oh, I've spent every summer down here at 108th Street. We grew up up in Woodside, and we used to come up to 108th Street and uh, stay on the beach every summer. Uh, I love Rockaway, all ends of Rockaway, and uh, I'll be glad to uh, continue to keep Rockaway safe.
0: Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for joining us, folks. And uh, tomorrow we will have uh, Queensborough President Melinda Katz in the next uh, chapter of our series on those candidates vying for Queens DA. Have a good day, everybody. See you tomorrow.